podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. The boys are back, and folks, this is going to be one of the most anticipated and fun live shows in a very long time. We got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. We got uh, some conference realignment stuff that actually doesn't, you know, mean the Big 12 is doomed, which is a weird position to be in. Um, so we'll we'll let you guys all get your takes on that. Uh, we get to talk Avery Johnson. Finally, finally, Avery Johnson is a Wildcat, and maybe the biggest recruiting win of all time. Most definitely the biggest recruiting win since Chris Kleiman took over at K State. So we will let all of you. Uh, have your take on that. Like I said, we'll talk some conference realignment. We will talk... I mean, guys, the freaking Cats have more folks on the all-conference team than any other school. So we're going to talk about that as well. It's going to be a fun one. I, uh, you know, I've, I've been looking forward to this one in for you know, for a very long time before we start getting into it. Of course, if you guys are listening right here, right now, you know we are sponsored by ColorCast going live every single Wednesday at 7 p.m. There are sponsors and we love them. It is going to be a packed, packed stage tonight. Um, we can do some rotation if we want, uh, but folks, this is this is what this is what the live shows are all about. These are what the live shows are all uh, about. So we're going to get started. There is no off-topic starter tonight. It is just diving right into it uh, because again, we have Avery Johnson. He is a cat. We currently do not have any open spots. I know there's a few of you who are trying to get up here. We'll rotate out. If you can't be on stage, uh, just hop off. We'll get some more people on. So let's get this going. Avery Johnson is a wildcat. He had blue chip offers. Uh, K-State led this recruitment basically from the jump. He's a wildcat, four-star, top 200 prospect right here. From the state of Kansas. We're starting with, honestly, let's start with the man of the hour. The guy who has been trolling the entire college sports landscape. The man, the myth, the legend himself, Bob Trollsby. Bob, you get a, uh appearance on the Q&A episode. And then you just decide to say fuck it and decide to troll the entire college sports world. We won't talk about that right now. Realignment will come at the end of the show, but... 
What were your thoughts? Avery Johnson, Kansas kids staying home. How big is that for the program? I mean, I think it's the biggest land since Josh Freeman, right? Um, it's kind of hard to understate how massive that is for us. Um, if, if he has the same recruiting chops that Dylan Edwards has, then, then I think that's it. You know, he's, he's going to be bringing in some absolute dogs, some studs with him as well. So pretty stoked to see what, what, what's going to happen on the recruiting front, uh, with Avery Johnson being landed and seeing if we can get Josh Manning and, and Jacoby Walker. But, um, it's good to kind of get over the hump of the heartbreak with recruiting that we've had for so long and so many years. I feel like we've had a lot of these close battles within state guys or, or what have you. Uh, it just feels really, really good to get those back-to-back recruiting wins within state guys that are, that are blue chip recruits. Don't worry, guys. I got this. Uh, and then we're going to move on to Cole H. Cole H., what do you think about Avery? Jesus Christ, and you read my mind because I was going to say we're going to stay in the state of Colorado, and I muted myself. Steve, saving the day. But, yes, Cole, thoughts? Blue Chip Recruit, we've been talking about it on these live shows for about a year now. What were your thoughts when it finally happened? Oh, man. Uh, just nothing but excitement. I mean, it was a great day for the state of Kansas and a great day for Kansas State football. Um, you know, seems like he's going to be a really great kid and a guy that's going to really lead a locker room in the right direction. I mean. He shows up in a suit to his commitment. He's all about the business. Um, seems like he, he said all the right things, and that's something that a lot of 18-year-olds can't do. So I'm excited. Um, I think with all the accolades and everything that he has, it's kind of crazy because it still feels like he's a little bit underrated Talking, to, you know, thinking about all the untapped potential that he has. For sure, and it's something I talked about with Drew Galloway of K-State Online. Uh, he has this elite-level athleticism and stuff he can do with his feet, but then you go out and then you get named as one of the Elite 11 quarterbacks, which is a competition that's almost all about your arm strength that really says something about him. I wouldn't be surprised if he is up for some uh, you know, ratings increase. Let's go next to uh, Hayes next. Hayes, my guy. Um, I think you'll be off campus by the time Avery Johnson or I, well, actually, no, I, I guess he's going to arrive in the spring, but uh, how pumped are you? Um, I don't know if you're in Manhattan this uh, summer, but you know, kites had it up on their billboard. This is just sending waves through the fandom that we've never seen with the recruitment. Uh, walk me through your emotions on the day when it actually happened. And then all the fanfare that happened afterwards. Man, I'm pumped. Uh, I'm not in Manhattan. I'm in KC, but this is awesome. This day, we've been waiting for this day for so long. We thought it wasn't going to happen. We thought it was going to happen, just gone back and forth. And we got our guy. And I hope that Manhattan has been pardoning it up. Um, I think the attitude in the building has been better. So uh, this is great. Yeah, absolutely massive. We're going to go down to Steve Z, you know, saving the day earlier. Steve, you've been following, you know, I, I like to call out the old heads on the on the chat. I think it's between you and Chef as the oldest guys on the chat tonight. But how good does it feel to see these elite Kansas kids staying home and then finally the number one player in the state? 
I think it's been since 2004 since the number one player in the state of Kansas has decided to stay home. And I don't know the last time there was a true blue chip guy who chose K-State out of high school. We had a lot of those transfers come back, but coming out of high school, I don't know the last time we had a four or five star from the state. How good does it feel? And do you think this is really taking that narrative of, hey, K-State, it's not like it's not like KU, the whole we play for Kansas. K-State actually follows through with being a state school. Uh, do you think this is just setting the groundwork for the next blue chip guy? Uh, absolutely, I do. And not just, I mean, yeah, for Kansas, that is incredible. I'm stoked about it. Uh, motivation, number one, being it's great for K-State. But there is a little bit of motivation that it's hilarious uh, if somebody were to choose KU at this point. Um, it's also just obviously nationwide, uh, with, um, Joe Jackson coming as well. Um, is it Lane? I, I forget out of Arizona who it seems like we're that when I say we were recruiting, I mean, Avery's recruiting for us too. Uh, good players want to play with good players, man. And it's just gets the ball rolling on the whole recruiting trail period. For sure. Do you think it is Josh Freeman? The last time the fan base was this pumped? For a recruit? I would imagine so. Or at least yeah. with football. I've been thinking about that for a while, and I can't not think of anybody between now and then that has had this uh, big, been this big of a deal, for sure. Yeah, and, and the great part, or, or I guess the different part is, you know, Josh Freeman, that was a flip late in the process. This is one yeah, where... Against Nebraska, too, which is yeah, obviously that, pretty yeah. fun. Yeah, that is great, but this is also a guy who then gets to be part of the class, kind of build folks up. Let's go to Coley Dub down there in Texas. Coley Dub, you've been one of our mainstays. You're on the message boards. You're on Twitter. Um, This was such a roller coaster. Notre Dame comes in. We think we're out. Arkansas is allegedly leading, uh, but we get get past them. Oregon, Washington, all these schools try to come. They can't knock us off the perch. What does this tell you about Taylor Bratt, Colin Klein, and Chris Kleiman and their recruiting chops? Sorry if this sounds terrible. Just let me know so I can hop off. Um, I'm driving currently. Um, But it's just, it's a game changer. It's, I don't know, I think they're in a good spot right now to really take this recruiting class and even in the future to the next step and start getting some championships under their belt. I love it. Let's go to uh, C.J. Kirsch, our guy who loved to play the Skylar Thompson or game during football season, ranking whether or not he felt good about the quarterback we had going up against the foe. Um, how pumped are you to play the Avery Johnson or game here in about two years? It's going to be great. Um, vibes are high. Uh, good vibes all around. Um, yeah, I, we have truly an elite quarterback now who is going to be a game changer. So um, I think he's going to be up there um, in the new conference. He's going to be one of the top uh, quarterbacks as long as he's uh, here. So uh, that's going to be uh, phenomenal. Was there any, when was the point, when did you realize, okay, this is going to uh, get done. We are going to have, uh, Avery Johnson, because I'll, I'll be honest with you, it wasn't until I was told he committed to the staff that I felt like it was a done deal. I was being a bit of a pessimist, but when he got home from that Oregon trip and I had a little birdie tell me, okay, he's a cat, that's finally when I allowed myself to believe, okay, 
we got it done with this top 200 player, blue chip player from the state of Kansas. When did you allow yourself to think, okay, he's ours? Um, actually, I was feeling pretty optimistic all the way through. Not that I didn't have my doubts or concerns. Um, when Oregon came uh, flirting with him, that was a little bit um, uh, worrisome at first, but it we just grinded it out. The entire coaching staff, all the coaches, um, they just kept laying that foundation, kept talking to him. They were never out. Um, and then, yeah, I kind of started hearing things once he was going on his visits um, that uh, things were sounding pretty good. Um, so I was pretty confident, especially after the Oregon trip, it, it sounded like and you started seeing uh, Oregon and Washington land their guys and it sounded like it was a done deal. So um, I felt pretty good even going up to the visits. Um, but yeah, once those visits happened, it, it was, it was 100% us all the way. All right. We're going to the coffee fiend himself, Nick, Nick, a Kansas kid. You're very prideful of our state. We got one of ours. Maybe I, I believe he is the highest ranked guy in the state of Kansas, at least according to, uh, you know, the two, four, seven composites in a very long time. Um, he's staying home. What does that do for your sunflower plated heart? Honestly, I think it elevates uh, our level of recruiting, and then that just puts a another dart and to the side of KU, uh, just in the sense of they're claiming, you know, we recruit within the state. But like you said earlier, we follow through, and that just puts it on another level. Um, I mean, you could go to the top ten kids in the state of Kansas, and you can see that we have, if not, over 50 if not 70 60 70 percent of the kids and it just I hope all high school kids in Kansas see that and think wow these guys you know going to K-State you know I can too so also got to give an award we got to put some money together and get an award for Taylor Brad for what he's done like that's this is incredible yeah, no, I, I hear you there. Let's go to the good chef before we wrap up this opener with Joel. Chef, it got done. Uh, you know, you've been optimistic. You actually were coming at me today for being a little bit pessimistic, not about recruiting, but just kind of saying, hey, man, I need you to step it up. How pumped were you on Avery Johnson Day? It got done. And what do you think this does for the trajectory and maybe even the perception and brand of K-State amongst the high-profile not just Kansas kids, but just kind of the regional kids because we finally got a big win in St. Louis. We're starting to really get in some high-profile battles on the Missouri side of the Kansas City Metro. Uh, what does this do just for not just Kansas, but the brand regionally? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's massive for the brand. I mean, we're going to go forward, and it's not going to be um, little old K-State recruiting. It's going to be the juggernaut going into the St. Louis area, the Kansas city Metro area. And th it seems like the recruiting for all these players, the elite players in the Kansas city Metro, the Kansas kids, the near the Missouri border of St. Louis, um, you, you get like this cohesive unit where they're all kind of friends. They're all kind of talking. So like, if you can get one and you keep those classes going together, they're all kind of like building to a unit where th it's cool to go to K state. We want we want to go to K State and we want to be a team of friends. Basically, it's not like we're getting a kid from Florida here, a kid from Georgia here, uh, a kid from Nebraska. It's kind of like we're all 
building in this little pipeline of collection. They're all on the same seven-on-seven teams. They're all on the same uh, AAU basketball teams. They're playing baseball together when they were little kids. It, it's kind of – we've kind of hunkered down, and K-State is the brand to come and be with your friends and dominate, basically. For sure, we're going to go to Joel next. Joel, it's a Wichita kid, and we've seen an ebb and flow. Uh, we're still in on a couple KCK, Johnson County guys, but we've really seen the Wichita boys come home to roost. I know you ref Wichita, you're up in Johnson County now, but uh, Avery Johnson, we've seen what he can do. He's a three-sport athlete. He is first-team All-State in all three sports. What do you think is going to happen once this kid can actually focus on just playing football? Oh, my God. I mean, the ceiling is the roof, as the, the great Michael Jordan has said. I mean, he's he's got that dog in him, and he's he's shown that at the Elite 11, and I think he'll show that with uh, some of his recruiting chops as well. Yeah, let's get uh somebody else up here. We're going to talk about... Yeah, hold on. Sorry. Yes, you, you caught me with my, my muted mic. We got Connor Baltazar who actually hopped up because the coffee fiend had to, had to uh, move on. Connor, uh, I heard you and Ace talk about this on your guys' early release show. Uh, just walk me through your emotions once it finally got done and getting to break him down, not as a prospect, but, but as a K-State commitment. Uh, something that I mentioned on the show was that it felt like the end of an era because uh, that was kind of the, uh, the beginning of the show was uh, talking about some of those in-state guys, which I assume that you're talking about the first question since I wasn't up on stage uh, for that one. But yeah, the the end of the Avery recruitment, it was a, uh, it was a sigh of relief, even though we kind of knew it was coming for the last uh, couple of weeks. Um but yeah, it, it felt really great to finally be able to sit there and really break down his film as a commit. I felt bad for Joe Jackson because he did kind of get sidelined a little bit. Uh, we still chatted about him, but he, any other week and honestly any other class, he would, would have been the focal point. But yeah, the we didn't talk about Avery and really get down into his film and explain what truly makes him great. Uh, it, uh, it, it was really good. I, I, it was long overdue, I guess I'll say. Yeah, I, and, and again, shout out to Joe Jackson and Donovan McIntosh uh, because, again, any other class in the last eight years, those guys either would have been the number one or number two recruit in our recruiting class if you look at the 247 composite. Uh, and both those guys are right there on the razor's edge of getting that fourth star. And I think if you look at what Chris Kleiman has been able to do, we've seen him identify that talent. We've seen him develop that talent. So now – He is taking his recruiting up to that next level. I think that's where K-State fans are starting to get a little bullish, starting to feel themselves just a little bit because we're seeing them continue to develop and identify these diamonds in the roughs. But they're then adding on this next level of player that especially in this new Big 12 in this new world of college football, you're going to hopefully see K-State kind of take its spot in the upper tier, you know, that, you know, upper level of the new Big 12. And I think that's what's really getting K-State fans excited. Before we move on from this, and I think we need to talk about this because, again, I think the pressure on Avery Johnson is going to be something that no K-State recruit has maybe ever seen. 
So I just want to ask you guys this right now. What sort of expectations or what level does Avery Johnson have to meet for you to say he lived up to the hype that we built up during this recruitment process? I'm going to start with Connor. What is it? It can either be like an achievement, it can be a stat line, or it can be as you know subjective as you want it to be. What does he have to do in his three to four years playing football at K-State before he goes off and becomes uh, you know, or Chris Kleiman's next first-round draft pick quarterback? See, I'm putting that pressure on him already to uh, be seen as a success in your eyes. Uh, it's really tough to say specifically just because, uh, like you said, there's going to be an immense amount of pressure on him. And you have to wonder if the hype ever gets too big to truly live up to. But what we do know is that Chris Kleiman has an excellent track record with developing quarterbacks. Uh, took Skyler from someone that I don't think was even on a draft radar, was battling for his job on a daily basis to NFL draft pick that may see time this year. So I don't think it's unreasonable to look at Avery and hope for at least a two-time All-Big 12 quarterback and uh, push for a Big 12 title, hopefully win a Big 12 title, especially with the amount of talent that's being brought around him. I don't want to set up, I don't want to set him up for too much pressure, but at the same time, I also understand that he's a lot different than most other athletes who've ever landed. So I think that it's wise to hold a higher bar for someone of his caliber. I hear you. We'll go to chef next chef again, maybe more, pressure more uh spotlight on this guy than probably anyone in any sport at k-state i would say since michael beasley um so what does he have to do to live up to this legend that is being built up before he even walks on campus and i fully acknowledge that this show is building into that pressure well it has to i mean when you're the number one player in the state and you pick your home state school, you're you're going to feel a little bit of added pressure that just because you're the local guy and you're playing the most important position on the field. I think if he's a, let's say, a three-year starter, that's not out of, out of the realm of possibility. Three-year starter, by the end of it, if we're looking at the, the trajectory of where Skyler was, but with more winning prestige, like, Get the talent around him. I think we're recruiting at a clip that Skyler never had around him. If we get players to build around Avery, we could be Big 12 East champions two or three years running, and we're going to the Big 12 championship, maybe maybe playoff one, one or two years, but for sure Big 12 East champions every time. I love how it's Big 12 East. Also, I will say this. You say, you know, the wedding winning pedigree above Skyler. Skyler Thompson has more wins as a starting quarterback than any other quarterback at K-State now. He started, I think, maybe more than any other one. But, again, the guy, the guy got a lot more wins than I think maybe oh, no. uh, folks No, realize. for sure. He's a winning quarterback, no doubt. But I'm thinking in per, in terms of percentage. Like, if oh, you're talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. Michael, Michael Bishop-level percentage, well, shit. If, if we're talking Michael Bishop winning percentage, then I mean Chris Kleiman's getting a goddamn statue because oh, that's sure. what that's, I mean. Like, and we're, only we're two talking, losses, three losses, and we're talking elite level. So I'm thinking above Skyler. Skyler lost what twenty games in his career, and he played six years basically. Um, so I think if he if he's somewhere in the eight loss range and he's I don't know 
what, what if he starts three years, what is that, like 35 and eight? I think that's pretty fucking elite. Yeah, that would be elite. I, I would take that right now. Let's go to Colorado Cole next. Colorado Cole, what, is, what does Avery Johnson have to do to live up to this urban legend that's being built before he even steps on campus? Yeah, it's definitely like – could be a little bit alarming uh, when you think about the high expectations that the fans and everyone will have for him. But I would say it's not outside of the box to expect multiple 10-win seasons and at least one – uh, Big 12 title game appearance. <clears throat> but that being said, I feel like, you know, Avery and a lot of these guys coming in are the type of players that if you ask them the same question right now, they would probably hold a higher standard to themselves than any of us would say. So that makes me think even more that these high expectations are right on par. Yeah, no, I definitely hear you. Let's go to James Redcard or no. Yeah, no, not red card. James, what's your life? James Ricard, sorry about that. I'm, here I am, I, I have a USL soccer game on in the background, and I'm thinking red card. Sorry about that, James. James, just uh, any thoughts on the Avery commitment, and then also what does he have to do to live up to this urban legend that's being built up? Well, hey, thanks, Scott. It is Ricard, um, and a uh, long-time bonehead, first time in the live show. But anyway, I... Uh, I'm I'm so excited about Avery. I think he's the he's the he's the quarterback we've been looking for, you know, for the last uh ever since we got Freeman, I guess. But um I think he can live up to it. I mean, I think just not him alone, but the class we're getting, and I think this momentum will carry over the next the twenty four class and the twenty five class, you know. I think I think the recruiting is definitely uh changing in the right favor favor for the cats and um I think just I, – I, I don't want to put a number on it, but I definitely see us competing for Big 12 championships here and be by his junior year, sophomore year, if I'm getting greedy. I love it. Thank you, James. Let's go next to Hayes. Hayes, what does he have to do to live up to this? And, and again, I, I, I fully acknowledge that this show, covering a recruitment this much and talking about one player this much, we are feeding into it, but it's not just us. It's the entire fan base – so what does he have to do to live up to what we are asking of him? I mean, I think we just need to be a contender basically the whole time that he's playing. So not his freshman year, of course, maybe not even his second year. But after that, we need to be like up there uh, and competing for it. That's uh, So it's pretty far out. We don't know exactly what will happen. We don't even know who will be in our conference, but um, – We've got to be up there and competing and not have like seven and five seasons spritzed in there. We'll go down to Steve next. Steve, what do, what does Avery Johnson have to accomplish to live up to this? Uh, two big 12 title appearances. That's my very condensed answer. Well, I mean, hey, I'll tell you this. If he gets us to Arlington or – Las Vegas or wherever the conference championship game is being played. If he gets there twice, I have a hard time thinking he won't live up to that hype. So I like your answer. Let's go to Bob Trollsby next. Bob, what what does he need to do? Let let me actually put a challenge on you. Um, And sorry for for doing this to you, but what sort of stat lines does he have to do? Is, Is it like saying, hey, we need to see 
him rise up the ranks in like single season uh, yardage? Like, is there anything where is stat wise that he could do that accomplishes what we're asking of him, even if say the wins don't follow, or is it truly, Hey, he could have, you know, Jesse Ertz stats, which is nothing to turn your nose up at, but if he's winning a big 12 championship, he's delivered what we're asking. I feel like we remember the quarterbacks more so for what they accomplish as far as championships and stuff are concerned than we do more so stat lines. Like Skylar Thompson's going to be remembered for a lot of the stat lines that he had, but at the end of the day, we're going to remember Michael Bishop, L. Roberson, uh, Colin Klein over Skylar Thompson in a lot of cases when we're not just looking at the recency bias of it, even though Skylar has a lot of those stats because he was here for six years. Um, I think I think it would be nice from from Avery Johnson's perspective to kind of pivot back to the question. Um, I would like to see him rise up the ranks on some of those stat lines, but I think at the end of the day, it's more so ra- about the team that he has assembled around him. And so if you have Jacoby, if you have Josh Manning, you've got Dylan Edwards, maybe we get um, – and I keep forgetting his name uh, – Randall from Wichita. Yeah, Joel's um, boy, John Randall. Yeah, if we keep getting all those guys and, and they all commit and they stay and they stick around and the transfer portal is not an issue – I don't really care what his stats are at the end of the day, because if he's performing and those guys are performing around him, it's all going to end up, you know, equating to championships and and competing for championships, which is ultimately what we're here for. Um, And and just from Avery's perspective, I think also, I agree with chef, like three year starter, that would be awesome. Um, Winning around a minimum of eight games a season would be, would be great. Um, But at the end of the day, pressure wise there are some guys who are going to get out on the field and they're going to have more of a gentle mental they're not going to compete as well when there's a bunch of pressure put on them and then there are the there are the other guys that that take that pressure and it fuels them and I think Avery from everything I've seen and gathered so far is more the latter he's going to take whatever um, pressure you know expectations that are being set on him and he's going to use that to fuel him as opposed to um, getting downtrodden and beating himself up and, and ultimately not meeting those expectations, if that makes sense. It 100% does. Let's go to our quarterback guru, Chris. Chris, what does he need to accomplish? Uh, and and let, let me phrase it like this. If he has like an L. Roberson type career where he has a uh, very up and down sophomore season, a junior season where it starts to come together, and then penultimately gets that Big 12 championship in his senior year, will that be good enough? Or are you looking for him to be more proficient, you know, in that sophomore, junior season when he is starting? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, I would hope uh, his sophomore season is a little bit better than L's sophomore season. Because if I remember right, we went 6-6. Six and six played in the insight.com bowl and lost to Syracuse like 20 to three or something. So if he can do better a sophomore season and elevate that, then, um, then that would be great. So to, I guess to answer your question, I would expect him and probably want him to do probably a little bit more than L Roberson. But I mean, asking for him to win a big 12 title, that's huge. And if you're talking about big 12 title, then you're probably flirting with uh, playoff contention at the very least, you're going to be in a New Year's Six Bowl game if that's still the the thing uh, in the few coming years, which it should be. Um, but I agree. I think I think kind of what just what everyone else has said. I think the expectation. I think his, the expectation for himself is to compete for championships and be uh, a top ten 
uh, team uh, and contending with Big 12 titles and being a national contender. All right, let's go to Joel. And I think Joel is the last one for this one. What is, Joel, what does he have to accomplish to live up to this expectations we're putting on him? Yeah, I mean, kind of like what everybody else says, uh, definitely some Big 12 championship appearances, I think. Um, and then I would like to see him I th- have a better stat line than Josh Freeman as much as we're hyping him so up. So you, really... you want him to become the career-leading passer? Yes. Yes. I mean, I love it. I love it. No, don't back down from it. I love it. Yeah. If we, I mean, if we put Lane and Manning and, uh, who's the other one I'm forgetting? Uh, well, we already got Davis and we already got Davis. Yeah. Yeah. We have those three guys around him, man. Just freaking why, why, why couldn't he be the leading passer? I I don't see why not, especially with you're having uh, Dylan Edwards out of the backfield running some freaking wheel routes. Like, who knows? Like it, the the combos could be disgusting. Yeah, I will say, and we're going to move on from Avery Johnson to some of the current studs we have on our team. The final thing I'll say about him for this one, and I I, I would imagine that uh, some of this will bleed into next week. But if they can get it over the finish line, get it into the end zone with Jacoby Lane with Josh Manning. You already have Will Ancio, who I think is criminally underrated. You already have Dylan Edwards. You already have Andre Davis, who's right there on the razor's edge of becoming a four-star himself. If you look at some of these elite programs in college football, they are bringing in classes where they grab one or two four-star, five-star blue-chip running backs, two or three blue-chip wide receivers, and a pass-catching tight end who is uber-athletic to go along with that blue-chip quarterback. We're about halfway there, folks. And again, I, I, I think we are all starting to build up this urban legend, but here's the thing. Avery Johnson's the type of guy, and the type of player, the type of recruit who can live up to it. And I think that's what makes this new era, this kind of you know, climb in, you know, the second act act of the climbing era after this Adrian Martinez season. So intriguing. Uh, so we are going to move on, though, to some pretty big news. And honestly, it, I, I'm, I'm going to be 100% honest. I was a little surprised by this because K-State actually had six dudes named to the preseason all-conference team and we had the Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, Deuce Vaughn was named as the, or not, not at, named, but he was voted as a unanimous pick at running back. Malik Knowles was named as the returner. Cooper Beebe was first team preseason on the offensive line. And then on the defensive side, you had Felix and Udike Uzama at defensive end and defensive player of the year. You have Deuce Green at linebacker and then Julius Brents out there on the boundary corner. Folks, when I saw this, I got absolutely pumped. Now, I wish that we could see what the media uh, ranked K-State because I have a feeling that even after having all the folks more than any other school on the preseason team, something tells me we're still going to be picked around middle of the pack. I wish we could see that before this show, but we'll touch on it next week um, because I, I, that's where I feel we're going to be. 
But it's exciting to see some of these young studs, well, not young, but see these studs acknowledge for how great they're going to be. And again, I love seeing Felix be the preseason player of the year. And I would sometimes, in some years, I'd be a little nervous. Okay, are they going to let this get to their head? You know, Brian Anderson tweeted out after it happened, talking about how Deuce Vaughn was just in his office saying, hey, you got to actually do the work. We saw Felix have that fire in him. I'm not worried about any of these guys letting it get to their head, and I'm excited that they're being acknowledged for how great they are. Let's start off with Chef. Chef, what were your thoughts when you saw it come through? Felix, defensive player, preseason defensive player of the year. Just what do you think these guys are going to be able to do, and do you have any worries about it going to their head? Absolutely not. It's all well-deserved. Honestly, I think they Julius Brents could have got subbed out with Echo Boydo, either one. I think they were both deserving because um, they, they give you five DBs, four, three linebackers, five D linemen. I think the, the Echo deserved to be in there. Um, I think we have two lockdown corners. Um, I think Jack's got uh, snubbed a little bit at fullback. Um but I don't think it's going to go to their heads. I think this team has got their eye on the prize. I think this is the most cohesive that they've been. Um, the The units don't seem like they're falling off. I thought we were going to have a, a large purge after uh, after the spring, but nothing seems to be coming out right now. And I think that's because our units are so tight. Um, I think we have great leaders. Adrian Martinez, I mean, we'll see where he ends up being. Um, and Malik Knowles at, even at wide receiver, I think he could, we actually have a deep ball thrower, no, no shots at Skyler, but I think we have a better deep ball thrower and that feeds into Malik's game. So I think he could even make it as a wide receiver and Phillip Brooks could be the returner. Well, there's a lot of potential K-State for first, second honorable mention to be on this board. And I think by the end of it, we're just going to end up with the most and the most wins in the Big 12. Yeah, I can't remember if the postseason team has a kick returner and a punt returner, but I agree with you. I wouldn't be shocked if Malik Knowles was number one and Phillip Brooks might have been number two for that returner slot. Uh, because, again, Phillip Brooks can get it done, especially on punt returns. Uh, Malik Knowles is usually the kickoff guy, the crib god, but both those guys are electric back there. Let's now go to Joel. Joel, we have six. And you, you can either comment on the guys individually or you can take this one. Does does your expectations now about being, oh, hey, maybe a dark horse or, hey, you know, maybe we'll, we'll surprise some folks, does it kind of change to saying, okay, no, we have swagger. It's a disappointment if we're not in Arlington since we have six of those guys on the preseason team. Well, I mean, first off, I want to start by saying I'm glad they put some damn respect on my boy Deuce Green's name. Like, goodness gracious, he's an animal. But, yeah, I am starting to get a little worried that uh, we're not going to be a dark horse anymore. We're not going to be a sleeper team. I kind of like being that underdog. I'm also worried that uh, these sports books aren't opened yet in Kansas, and they're going to raise the win total. Yeah, before we, I can it's already getting up to seven, like, with juice on the over. So, we and, – and Chauncey's making sure everyone hears a squeak toy – uh, we missed our chance to bet our house and mortgages on the cat. So that time has passed. I'm sorry, my friend. 
Yeah, that that definitely hurts. But yeah, I mean, super deserving. Not worried that it's gonna go to anybody's head. Um, these guys are some dogs, and these coaches keep everybody humble. So yeah, I'm super excited for what we got going on this year. All right, let's go to Steve next. Steve, you got six guys on there. I believe that is the most since the 2014 or 2016 season for preseason. And that actually might be more than either of those seasons. Those are just the ones that came to the top of my head. I want to specifically ask you about the defense. I'm not sure what your expectation was for the defense, but when you have a preseason all-conference pick at each level, defensive line, linebacker, and secondary, I can't help but start thinking, well, shit, could we be one of, if not the best defenses in the Big 12? How key is it having one of those legitimate superstars at each level and again I think Echo's being slept on a little bit at the other side on the boundary uh it's humongous uh there's so many things up in the air right now just in the big 12 as a whole if we're talking about like K-State's uh accolades at the end of the season like who knows what Venables gonna be able to teach as a as a head coach to you know his defense or whatever if he's gonna be hands-on or whatnot but we definitely have that shot and it is really a lame ass um, sidestep, but injuries are just going to be so fucking key to us. If we don't have the depth that we're hoping for, if we have the best guys, that's great. But uh, if one of them goes down, we don't have anybody to back them up. Then, you know, I think that that's been our issue for a long ass time is that uh, we have some stars and just don't have the depth to uh, keep them, keep the whole defense as a whole uh, going well um, or either side rather. Uh, I also want to jump to the defensive player of the year. I think uh, Kelly Duke has just as big a shot as being defensive player of the year. If offensive lines have to guard both of them all year, him and Felix, uh, I think that it's going to be a coin flip of who it could be positioning for that spot. I'm glad you brought that up because I, at this time last year, we were all talking about Khalid Duke being the guy. I think if you if folks go back and listen to the Bonehead Prediction episode, there were a lot of folks saying he would be the defensive player of the year and he had that injury. I think that we could find ourselves come mid Big 12 play and obvious pass, you know, passing downs where you have Nate Matlack on one side, you have Felix Anudike Uzama on the other side, and then you have Khalid Duke standing up off one of those edges. And I think that is going to bring nightmares to tackles across the Big 12. So I'm glad you gave that a shout-out. Let's go up to Hayes next. Hayes, let's go over to the offensive side of the ball. Bijan Robinson, I think, was named as the Offensive Player of the Year. But here's a fun little thing. Uh, he was not a unanimous pick for uh, for first-team all-conference preseason, but Deuce was. Do you think he's maybe robbed a little bit of that, uh, you know, because that's a, to- it's a different award. That's a different slot on the ballot. So do you think, hey, maybe Deuce was robbed a little bit of that preseason offensive player of the year? Um, I do think there is a case to be made that he was robbed of it. I wouldn't call it a robbery. They're kind of like a 1A, 1B. Uh, if you pick Bijan, I really don't blame you. But not to step on your question, but I'm pretty sure he was also unanimously picked. Okay, well, uh, then that's a mistake by me. And yeah. folks always correct my questions if I have it wrong. I, yeah, I, I, have a, the... I have a big ego, but if I'm wrong, please just mush me and tell me I'm an idiot. 
It, it is super weird to me that you could have two guys at the same position unanimously picked. It, it just shows how far and away better they are than everyone else. But they're also far and away better than every other running back in the country, in my opinion. So I'm fine with Bijan being picked because, like I said, if he's one, Deuce is two, and that's not just in the conference. All right, let's go down to James. James, who on the, the list do you think we're going to look back and say, hey, he had the best year out of those six guys? Who do you think is going to have the best season? Yeah, well, I think I think uh, it has to be Deuce, I would say, just because, I mean, we've seen, all we all seen what Deuce can do, and uh, I think he's only going to elevate. I think defense will be, defenses will be more keyed in on him, but I would say Deuce, but um, uh, I think, I know it's been mentioned, but I'm a, I've been a big Echo guy ever since he uh, kind of got thrown into action against OU during the COVID year. And no, no disrespect to Julius Prince, I think he's a fantastic cornerback. Um, but I was a little surprised that uh, we saw him in over Echo, but that's just my two cents. All right, let's go up to Chris. Chris, you can comment on anything if you, if you feel like I'm pigeonholing you into talking about quarterbacks too much. But uh, if you want to take this question on, I'll ask this. What does Adrian Martinez need to do to jump the projected newcomer of the year? And then also Spencer Sanders, who was listed as the preseason first-team quarterback. What, what could Adrian Martinez do to get into that conversation? Well, I think first and foremost is the win games, uh, compete for the Big 12. Um, then the second one, limit the turnovers. Uh, so not just interceptions, but fumbling the ball. If he can do that, he should have a pretty good shot at newcomer of the year. Um, and I think uh, I think he could be up in the running for that, um, obviously, because it's, I mean, Big 12 this year is will be a little bit down. There's still going to be some good quarterbacks. You'll have uh, Spencer Sanders, who is kind of hit and miss depending on games, but He's got a lot of experience. And then down in Texas, you have Quinn Ewers, who is this highly touted recruit, but unproven. Um, and uh, you have the, what's his name, JT Daniels, the West Virginia. He's a transfer. I'm not sold on him. He has not been able to play um, consistently or for very long at each of the schools he's been at. Um, so uh, I think he has a good shot. Um, as far as the rest of the group, it, I was it was awesome to see that many guys for us be on the all Big 12 team. I don't even know the last time we had that many. So uh, if someone could look that up, that'd be awesome. But having that many dudes on the Big 12 team um, was awesome. Uh, so that's really exciting. Now we just gotta we gotta live up to it. All right. So much is expected of, uh, of us and we can't fall out fall on our foot faces this year. So we got to live up to it and compete baby. All right. We'll go to Joel next. Joel, we got six guys on there. Who is a guy that was not named to the all conference team preseason that you think has the best shot of being there in the postseason? Yeah, for me, I, I mean, first or second team. Yeah, first or second. Yeah, yeah. I think Nate Malak could honestly be that guy. I mean, Khalid Duke, if he if he kind of, I think we're sliding him back to play linebacker. If Matlack takes a lot of those opposite side snaps, he could be disgusting. Um, look for him for sure. 
Awesome. All right, and then uh, we'll go to Connor. Connor, of those six guys, are any of them a surprise to you? When you saw them come through, were any of them like, oh, wow, that's a pleasant surprise. I didn't expect the media to come through and put them in the first team preseason. Uh, I'd say probably Daniel Green, because I feel like he's really flown under the radar, um, despite being really good, I think. Uh, I've really liked Daniel Green. I thought he had an excellent season last year, and I felt like he got supremely underrated. Um, But it seems like he's getting at least some level of media uh, respect now that he's been on the preseason team. So I I, Daniel Green's the easy answer there, but Julius Brents is probably another acceptable answer there as well considering that he's kind of fun under the radar just for not having a lot of interceptions. All right, we're going to go to Bob Trollsby next. Commissioner, thoughts on this list? Uh, six guys up there. Does this, did, when you saw that come through and saw K-State had the most, did that then raise your expectations, or is it holding steady with what, whatever it was before you woke, or when you woke up this morning? I think the thing that was most surprising to me was only seeing Oklahoma with one. I mean, regardless of what their expectations are this season or not, I feel like they're always overinflated, similar to Texas. And we're in a situation where they have as many, they have as many preseason all big 12 guys as Kansas, which is laughable. Um, but I'll take it. I'll take those small victories over, over the, the teams that are leaving for sure. Um as far as those six, I'm, I'm not surprised by those six necessarily, but I am surprised by the percentage of, of guys that we have on there compared to the rest of the schools. Um, just because, again, I, I forgot who mentioned it, but I don't know that this has happened before, or, or I don't remember at least the last time that this has happened where we've had that many guys on the preseason list. So um, I'm really stoked. I, I think Cooper Beebe's one of the ones that stands out to me. I think he's probably going to be a first round draft pick because he's currently projected to be one of the first linemen taken in the draft, even if he leaves this year. Um, so he's one that I'm proud of and, and one that I would like to see on the list at the end of the season. It's going to be super interesting to compare the two. Um, but I would love to see Adrian Martinez on the list and, and, you know, F the haters, um, show Nebraska what's what's uh, going on here with his with his talent, uh, and that his offensive line really was as as god awful as we all think it is. We will end with rapid fire realignment takes because uh, we got about ten minutes left. But before we're going to Callie Mike, who hopped up on stage, one of our regulars. So Callie Mike, I'm going to give you thirty. You know, I'll give you forty five seconds to do. Uh, anything you want to say about Avery Johnson, then about the preseason All Big 12 team, and then we'll get your realignment take that doesn't count in your 45, but 45 seconds on the clock, go. Thanks. Um, yeah, so, you know, with Avery Johnson, um, you know, I, I can't say much more than anyone else has said. You know, it's pretty amazing. I still had some nerves, you know, when CBS was jacking around and like wasting time before his announcement. So, um, just glad that it all panned out. You know, I think he has a bright future, and I definitely see some Big Twelve championships uh, under the under his helm. Um, preseason uh, Big Twelve. You know, I'm I'm going to go out there and say that Anthony Frias is going to be the Big Twelve newcomer of the year. How about that? Whoa, <laughs> Big Tony Frias, I love it. Yeah. Um, 
And you know what? That's all I uh, have to say of right now. I'll open it up to the uh, rapid fire. Okay, so realignment. So basically, I just want your quick take, hot take, make it as quick as you can. Reaction to USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten, and what do you want the Big 12 to do? Oh, this is for me. Um, I would say, uh, you know, whatever. That's good for them. I think that we have to be concerned about how big all of these uh, conferences are going to get. It's probably going to water down the college football landscape. Um, but I think that the Big 12 does need to uh, strike when the iron's hot and pick up some Pac-12 teams. Colorado, Cole, USC, UCLA going to the Big 10. Uh, open floor, what do you think? I mean, I think it's can't be surprised based on the way things are going. Um, it seems like overall, we'd all agree, it doesn't seem like a good thing. But in the position of a Big 12, you know, I don't think we can really sit around and wait things out, which it doesn't seem like we're doing that. So I think uh, we're going to get a couple of those Pac-12 schools, whether or not we're going to Washington leave. But it's basically like, they're trying to stay, stay loyal to the back to the back twelve, but they're already trying to go to the Big Ten. So I think that's going to push the other teams to make a move. All right, let's go to Steve Z. Steve Z. UCLA, USC, Big Ten. Who gives a shit? What does the Big Twelve need to do now? We go to twenty teams and then have two like the East and the West that are both ten teams. We only play the teams near side of the conference. And then have a championship with each side, and then one big championship. And because we have three championship-ish games, uh, the te- the TV revenue will jump, will skyrocket. All right, Steve Z should be getting called up from our Rock Nation boy to help out at the Big Twelve. Let's go to Connor Baltazar next. Connor, you and Ace love to completely ruin the landscape of college football with your guys' podcast, and then it all comes true. What should the Big Twelve do? Um, add the Arizonas, Utah, and Colorado, and destabilize the Pac-12, which, you know, sucks for schools like Oregon State and Washington State, but, you know, Big 12 is not a charity. We can't take them in, unfortunately. So that's what I do. Add the four corners. Bob Trollsby, you went viral like 17 times in 24 hours with your amazing trolling ability. What should the Big 12 do? No cap. I don't think I used no cap right. One of the uh, Zoomers, tell me in the chat. I mean, who would have thought that a year ago the Big 12 would be the most stable conference between the Pac-12 and the a- and arguably the ACC as well? Oh, the ACC um, is I think- fucked whenever their grant of rights is up. They are <laughs> fucked. They're just waiting waiting in the wings, ready, ready to see it all explode. Um, I think we absolutely have to be aggressive. If if my tweets and stuff haven't come across that way, it's because they, they need to. Um, but we need to be aggressive. We need to go after, at minimum, the four corner schools of Arizona State, Arizona, Colorado, Utah. Um, but if we can land Oregon and Washington even temporarily, that would be the death blow to the Pac-12. You have to feel for Oregon State and Washington State, but this is a business. You can't You can't let that emotion get in the way of the the business decision making that has to happen here um and and similar to recruiting again where it's been kind of doom and gloom we lost out on a lot of these battles the big 12 for a decade plus now has only been playing defense it's nice to finally be in a position where we can be the aggressor 
and and land that death blow hopefully on the Pac-12. My hot take, that was my not very quick quick take, but my hot take, I don't think we end up doing anything and that's frustrating, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, it, it will be interesting to see what we end up doing. Let's go up to Hayes next. Hayes uh just let it all out with conference realignment. Pretty much everyone said my thoughts. I, the easy and right answer is to add the four corners. Um, I think that Oregon and Washington would be a nice plus. Uh, for some reason, I just can't make myself care that much about getting them. I'm sure they'd help with money, but we're just a stepping stone anyway. So that'd be cool if they want to come by. We'll welcome, welcome them. But I'm a little worried that the momentum has slowed down with how much – the Pac-12 ACC Alliance thing is bullshit. Don't listen to that. But the um, I'm a little concerned about them trying to keep the Pac-12 a thing. Um, and I do ultimately think that they'll see the TV numbers and be too scared off that the number will be so low that the realignment will continue to happen. But it may take a while. Um, and I'm just not quite as confident that we become the super conference like way in the lead for third um, that I thought we would be yesterday. I will say everyone just needs to remember the 51-day roller coaster ride that was last year. It was 51 days from when uh, UT and Oklahoma left the Big 12 to when we announced the addition of those four teams. And the majority of that time, ESPN was trying to say the Athletic was going to poach the Big 12. So, I'm I'm not going to worry about it. I want to see us do something. I understand why folks might be a little pessimistic, but we will see. Let's go to Joel next. Joel, what do you want to see the Big 12 do, and what were your thoughts when you saw USC and UCLA to the Big 10? Yeah, original thoughts on uh, USC and UCLA to the Big 10 was that uh, I don't know how they're going to defend power football or if they've ever seen a fullback or the snow. So good freaking luck. Um but what the Big 12 needs to do, kind of what everybody's been saying, is take both the Arizonas, Colorado, Utah. I would love Washington and Oregon. It could be cool. Um, but then also I think we need to go and get Louisville for Cincy, and we need to go get Vodtech for uh, for West Virginia. And then we'd have a – I mean, we're already a nasty basketball conference, but that would be filthy. Shut all those cappers out in Lawrence up. Yeah, I will say if, if we survive uh, through all this uh, to the point where the ACC grant of rights are up, I don't think Virginia Tech will be on the table. I think they end up in the SEC. But I very well think we could see a potential to grab Louisville. I think you know they could end up in the Big 12 like by 2040 if the Big 12 survives through this all. Um, Chris, it looks like you might have dropped off. If you're there, say something. If not, we're going to end, I think, this uh, conference realignment point with Chef. Let's Throwing go, Chef. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I, when it comes to the uh, USC and UCLA, out here in Ohio, Ohio State fans could really give a damn whether they're in the conference or not. It hasn't moved the needle. I'm thinking, obviously, it's for the L.A. market and the money, but um, seeing UCLA – versus uh purdue in november doesn't really move the needle for any of them here whether they watch it or not um so they don't they don't care but um 
for us, I think we need for the Big 12, I think we need to gobble up as many teams. I think everybody's pretty confident that the ACC is going to um, dismantle and all the big teams will leave, which would make me a little bit nervous. I think our solidarity would help a little bit, but um, UCF is on the table for them. I think Cincinnati would be on the table for them. Um, West Virginia would be on the table to if they were to try to do what the big the Pac-12 is talking about now with trying to uh, poach teams from the Big 12, um, which I don't think is a possibility. But maybe in 14 years, the ACC might have more pull for those teams out east when we expand west. Um, so I think we just need to gobble up as many teams as possible. And in 14 years, who knows, maybe like a Boise State or something like that, their brand is so big or whatever. I don't know. But just we need to gobble up as many teams as we can. So when ACC starts maybe attempting to poach, that we're not stuck with 10 teams again or whatever, and then we're right there on the chopping block again. I think we need to find our place into the third peg and be that third team where it's undeniable that you can't get rid of that many teams and just be a two-conference uh, team, the Big the Big Ten versus the SEC. I think w- the Big 12 needs to be in that third tier, and we need to live there, and we need to dominate, and when – it comes time to beating that ass versus whoever comes calling LSU again. K-State needs to take the throne, take the mantle, and kick that ass. I love it. And I'm sorry, I skipped over Colorado. Cole, you're right there in the middle of it. Uh, what's the vibe out in Colorado? Do the Buffaloes want to come home? Twitter makes it seem like they don't. But what are your thoughts and how have you been following this? Uh-oh. Colorado Cole. Cole H. Hey, sorry. There we go. I thought you already hit me this round. Oh, I thought so too. But then, but then Joel was saying Colorado Cole in the chat and I thought I missed you. Hey, but I will say. Freaking A, Joel. Freaking A, Joel. I love you. Say it back. Yeah, I I love you too. Hey, but I, I didn't mention Colorado and I will say I have had multiple interactions whether on twitter or on like in real life of people that think cu is coming back to the big 12 and they're not fully opposed to it they are they want back in they want back in for sure everybody that i've talked to has reiterated that so welcome back buffs yeah that's what i like to hear we'll go to nick next and then i'm gonna drop one of you guys so chris can get back on stage and get his realignment takes on here but nick what are your thoughts on realignment uh it's inevitable i mean it was gonna happen big you know the big two leagues wanted their money so it's gonna it's it's gonna it was gonna happen anyways i think ucla and usc is just a catapult for what's going to come next um i do believe though big 12 is going to stay and it's going to be one of the main three uh three-headed dogs and then the acc and pac-12 will no longer be as well as i think we're going to get the top four arizona state arizona uh cu and utah but then i'm up in the air about washington and uh oregon but we're gonna have to wait and see but that's my take Yeah, I understand why we could end up with those two schools, but I don't really have a lot of excitement for it because, just like folks have said, they were openly hoping they could get to the Big Ten, and then if like a true Armageddon happened, you you know they would have an eye up north the entire time they were here. So 
my excitement for those two schools would not be very high. I would love to get uh, Colorado, Utah, and the Arizona schools. Let's get uh, Chris's take on here, and uh, then we might call it a night unless anyone has anything. We'll have a final call for realignment after uh, Chris. All right, yeah, I'll just I'll do some hot takes here. I think um, in the end we will get the the four schools: Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Colorado, and we'll end up getting Washington and Oregon. Uh, I think Notre Dame and Stanford go to the Big Ten. My final hot take is the Big Twelve will become the third uh, big conference behind the SEC and Big Ten. And we ultimately compete, and then basically the ACC and Pac-12 die off. That's my hot takes. Yeah, again, I I don't think that this is good for college uh, football. But if that is the way it went down, I would love it for the Big 12. Because, again, uh, I've raged against the blue check uh, college football media, and I'm sure I'm going to do that again, depending on what breaks out uh, over the next 24 hours. I might have to talk about the blue checks again for the Friday show. Uh, but it, I'll, I'll the, the blue checks will have their time, whether or not it comes Friday or not. Uh, but I think it would be hilarious if they, uh, you know, wrote the Big 12 off for dead and then it became one of the three final conferences. Um, before I award the MVP of the night, I will give one final call to everyone up on stage for anything conference realignment uh, uh, related, because I know we did have to rush that topic. And it will probably be an evergreen topic rest of the summer. But if anyone has anything they want to say before we call it a night, now is your time. I'll uh, I'll just add real quick, you know, from the Bay Area perspective, um, you're 100% right that the folks out here, especially the, the people that attend the universities, are not all that hot on college football. And the thing going for them, if they were to be added to the Big 12, is that the big 12 fan base would be flocking out here, I think for the games and be filling their stadiums. So that's the plus for them. I love it. Any other uh, final call for conference realignment? Scott, keep fighting the good fight against the blue check marks. Yeah, honestly, almost everyone without a blue check mark, except for our guy, Shihan, uh, who is the best. He's our best friend and we love him even though I don't think he loves us back, but the boneheads will make it so. Um, they just are not connected with reality. So they'll, they'll get their comeuppance, especially since I'm going to either run myself into the ground or just develop a whole new love for the podcasting game. But that's all we got. I'm giving the MVP of the night to Bob Trollsby, not only for his takes tonight, but again, uh, Sports Illustrated, the Big 12 Conference, Sports Talk Radio, different uh, sports podcasts, all sorts of blue checks, all sorts of folks all across the Twitter sphere. Sports Talk Radio and podcasts fell for his uh, trolling. Uh, so, Bob Trollsby, you get to address the boneheads, everyone listening live and on the RSS feed. Uh, so let them know anything you want to say. I just hope that my my hot take is wrong. I hope we actually do something here and that ESPN doesn't try to stat sabotage this thing because, again, over the last hour, it looks like some of the reports are indicating that ESPN might be trying to intervene and get this loose partnership, quote-unquote, between the Pac-12 and the ACC actually happening. So fingers crossed that that doesn't happen. Go Cats. The Big 12 is and always will be my favorite conference. And, and I think the additions that we could add or, or have the potential to add here 
are going to be massive. So, Brett Yormark, fuck this up. I love it. So that's all we have today, folks listening to this on Thursday. We are going to have a show on Friday. Um, It either is going to kind of be uh, just me kind of coming to a head and, again, kind of talking about uh, the inherent bias against the heartland of this country versus the coast uh, because we're seeing some of these blue checks really uh, campaign hard to save the Pac-12. But... That's evergreen. I'm hoping we get some more, uh, you know, Big 12 media, you know, polls I want to talk about wherever K-State lands in that. So I hope I get to talk about that. I can talk about the blue checks who are my enemy, but we will have a show on Friday. I'm going to try my damnedest to drop a show every single weekday in July, August, and all football season long. So honestly, guys, if you are tired of the Kansas City media that doesn't talk about K-State. If you're tired of the blue check media that doesn't give a shit about the Heartland, except for our boy Shahan, we love you. Listen to Bosco's voice. Tell your K-State friends to listen to Bosco's voice. Tell them to listen to 3-Maw. When short set option comes back, tell them to listen to that. You better be fucking listening to my boys, the Aggieville Alley Cats. I would hope at this point that would go without saying, but I'm going to tell you, do that. Powercat Podcast, they're dropping a Q&A podcast every single week. There's all sorts of folks that cover K-State, and they're giving you the coverage that you want. Don't be dependent on the blue checks. Don't be dependent on 810 or 610. Although CDOT, my boy, he even though we fight about Byron Pringle, he's been bringing on Derek Young with uh, a little bit of frequency, so I'll give him a pass today. But again, if you want more K-State football talk, if you want more K-State sports talk, it is supporting the podcast and the folks who are actually covering your team because Kansas City's not going to do it. The blue checks aren't going to do it again. I named them off. There's some more. Uh, you, there's always something going on going on with the student radio. But again, make sure if you're listening to us, you better be listening to Aggieville Alley Cats and please check out all the other ones. That's all I have. I love you guys. Metaphorically speaking, Grant's not on Twitter He's not always on the show, but I promise you, in your heart, if you search in your soul, he's gargantuan, and he's waiting for you at the cat head. Go find him in your heart. Avery Johnson, meet me at the cat head. Hail to the purple, hail to the Wildcat in spirit, wildcat in fight, hail alma mater from sea to sea, onward forever, hail victory. Button, 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 fight, you can't stay wildcats for. Alma mater fights glory in the combat for the purple and the white faithful to our colors we will ever be a fighting ever fighting for a wildcat victory fight 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 we face a wildcats for alma mater fight 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 glory in the combat for the purple and the white faithful to our colors
Podcast Network.